John 10, 1 through 11. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Like the Psalm Gavin read, Psalm 23. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. So we are in a seven-week series right now that we're calling Practicing Resurrection. We're taking a break from 1 Corinthians, which we've been in for most of this year, and we're going to get back to 1 Corinthians last week of May this month or first week of June. We'll be back in 1 Corinthians, uh, excited to return to that. I think it has a lot to say to us right now. Um, but right now, we thought it would be powerful and centering for our community in the middle of this pandemic to slow down for these seven weeks of Easter season. I don't know if you knew that this what, that's what this is. Between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday, there's these seven weeks of feasting and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and considering what it means. So that's what we're going to do right in the middle of a pandemic. We're going to look hard and long at the resurrection of Jesus and absorb the meaning into our bones together as a church. And, and so to do that, there's one tangible practice that we're giving you on Sundays that you can take into the week. Um, and, and we can practice them in isolation, in quarantine, whatever, different forms of prayer and scripture meditation. And today's practice is called listening prayer. And after this teaching, feel free, if you're not part of a community, to email in and we'll give you the practice guide. If you are part of a community, you're going to get the guide. And I think it's going to be a powerful thing as we walk with Jesus this week. Um, listening prayer has been a beautiful practice for our team and our whole church, really, ever since we planted this church back in 2017. So, because in this chaotic moment, it is more vital than ever for God's people to learn to hear God's voice above other voices. There's so many other voices right now. So on March 19th, the order came through to lock down and quarantine and stay at home. And now it's May. It's May, and none of us could have imagined this. I mean, if you're like a really good medical thriller author, then maybe you could imagine this, but the rest of us normal people, this is like the twilight zone. And in moments like these, we are longing for good leadership. And that's what this shepherd and sheep passage is all about. Uh, we don't think, I don't know how many of you are shepherds or have a background in like sheep farming, uh, probably not, uh, close to none of us. And so the shepherding metaphor is a little lost. There's like a couple layers of culture we got to get through. But we know what a leader is. 
And that's what Jesus means by shepherding. He means leading. We're longing to be shepherded. We're longing to be led. We're crying out to be led. And especially in this pandemic. I mean, just think about the 2020 election. Oh yeah, like this is election year. <laughs> I, I forget that all the time. If you just Google the election for a couple minutes, it used to be a 20-issue election. Now it's a one-issue election, for the most part, really. I mean, we are instinctively looking for someone to speak clearly into the chaos and lead us out. We're looking for someone to call us by name and lead us to the light. And the question is, for us, very, very simple, whose voice do we actually trust to lead us? Like, is it celebrities? Maybe more often than we like to admit, it is. Uh, is it news media? Is it our church? Is it our parents? Like, who do we trust, really? I mean, honestly, not who are we supposed to trust, but who are we actually trusting? Um, if you spend three minutes online, you'll probably come across dozens of voices. Like, trust me, uh, this, is, this is how to really interpret the facts. This is what we should be doing right now. Trust my interpretation of the data. Listen to my podcast, and you will know more than 99% of scientists, or whatever. Uh, and the result, for many of us, is with all these voices, we've woven ourselves into a web of suspicion. We're just a suspicious culture. Anyone claiming to have authority or a hot take, we're like, really? Because um, we like our cozy little webs of suspicion. When another voice tries to come in that disagrees, we're, we tend to be like, no, that's a different voice from my web. And I'm just, there must be a power play going on or an agenda. I'm just suspicious right now. And so we become a culture that doesn't trust claims of leadership. We don't trust people that say, hey, I'm a leader. Um, but here's the problem. All of us long to be led. All of us long to be shepherded. This is inseparable from what it means to be human. We, we all crave a compelling vision of the future. Um, and we want someone to speak over us and call us by name. And, and at least look like they care and lead us out. And so the real question for me, like who can I trust to really care for me and lead me right now? I'm in crisis mode, you're in crisis mode. Um, who can I give my heart to so I can actually trust and rest in someone who cares enough to call me and lead me? That's what this, that's what this passage is about when Jesus talks about a shepherd and sheep that hear his voice. That's what this is about. And so the context of this passage that we read, the context, Jesus is talking to Israel's bad leaders, like failed voices, selfish, toxic leaders, the Pharisees, and they're bad shepherds, he's saying. Look at verse one. Uh, he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. And so Jesus is saying the Pharisees have not been faithful to lead God's people well. They've used people for personal profit. Uh, they put profit over people. Um, and now Jesus is channeling an ancient prophet in this moment. He's, he's channeling the prophet Jeremiah uh, from centuries before who sent this same message to bad leaders of Israel then. Hundreds of years before Jesus, history repeats itself. And Jeremiah is talking to a bunch of toxic voices. 
And it's this haunting and beautiful passage where God pulls back the curtain of his heart and shows us how he bleeds inside for us, how he longs to cover and care for us. And so um, look at the uh, original Jeremiah prophecy in the Old Testament right here. It's on the screen. Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2. This is where Jesus is pulling from here. Jeremiah writes, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people, to the bad shepherds, the bad voices. He says, because you've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you've done, declares the Lord. And that's what you call right there, uh, divine jealousy, God is passionate and jealous about his people, about you and me. He will not tolerate toxic voices coming in to manipulate and profit and, and feed on our soul, that toxic voices that command and influence us. And then God gets personal. He says this in the next verse, in Jeremiah 23, verse three, he says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase. My intentions, my good intentions for them will be realized. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they'll no longer be afraid or terrified or will any be missing, declares the Lord. None will be missing. I'm not going to lose any. I'm going to care for you, he's saying to his people. God is like, I'm, I, he's like, I love you so much that I'm going to gather you up myself and then I'm going to provide you good voices, people that represent my heart, people you can trust, people in my family, in my community that will lead you to me. And then in verse five of the prophecy, it comes to this peak here. And then it says, verse five, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what's just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he'll be called the Lord, our righteous savior. And right there, we get this ancient snapshot of Jesus ahead of time. The prophet prophesies, that Jesus would bring God's full shepherding, loving, leading presence into our lives because he's righteous and he's good. He's wise enough and strong enough to get the job done, to care for us and do what's right. God's like, in the day Jesus comes, my people will be saved and you'll see me. And so fast forward now to Jesus. And now we're in the Gospel of John, the text we started in, and Jesus is on the scene. And John is building to this statement here, this statement in chapter 10, where Jesus is like, I'm the shepherd. He's building to this for chapter after chapter. In chapter seven, Jesus stands up in front of all the bad voices, all the bad leaders. He stands up in front of them and he's like, hey, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink and you'll never thirst again. Oh, and I'm really talking about the Holy Spirit who you're gonna get if you believe in me. And the false voices did not like Jesus speaking that authoritatively over everybody. And then John chapter eight, Jesus looks at this sexually broken and abused woman and he's like, hey, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. And all the condemning voices and the accusing voices 
and the shaming voices, they were all silenced. And then in chapter nine, Jesus heals a man born blind. And again, all the toxic voices did not like the way Jesus was operating in power and in authority. They didn't like Jesus' spirit. And so they plan to attack him. And which brings us to chapter 10, where we started this talk. And, and so Jesus, he, he, he highlights the divide. We have a choice now. Jesus sets up this choice and he's like, who will you be led by? Who is really going to shape your heart? And this is an intentional move by Jesus to assert his leadership over the people of God. And the question for us today, Park Hill, you watching online, the question for us, how are we going to respond to his voice, to his call to be led by him? Jesus' voice is cutting through the chaos of coronavirus right now, and it's speaking to us, and Jesus is saying, who will you be led by? Who's your shepherd? And here's the thing, speaking honestly, because we're a culture of suspicion, suspicious of hot takes and claims of authority, some of us right now, you might be watching this and thinking, oh, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at thinking for myself. Um, I don't need to be led by someone all the time. I'm good at making my own decisions or whatever. I'm autonomous. Um, but here's the thing. We are always being shepherded. That's what it means to be human. Jesus uses the sheep analogy brilliantly. Um, sheep have gotten a bad rap. I think over the years in churches, sheep are not dumb. It's not that they're dumb. Um, sheep, it's, it's that they're intelligent enough to recognize the voice of the shepherd. And they make their choice based on the sound they hear. Sheep are actually intelligent creatures. And Jesus uses this, this message intentionally, this metaphor, um, to make this huge point that we are always being shepherded. We're always making a choice to be formed by a voice. When you're scrolling social media, I don't know if your screen time has gone up or down, probably up during this pandemic. Uh, when you're scrolling, you're being formed. You're being shepherded. In your Zoom community group, you're being shepherded. Everything you put in front of your face is shepherding you. When you're alone with your own thoughts, just brooding on anxiety, you are being led. You are being shepherded. You're being shaped. And even in the moments where you're not even thinking about what's shepherding you, that's especially when you're being shepherded. Um, and this, this is uniquely true in a moment of pandemic like this. Um, the military has this interesting term that was created during the Cold War. It's uh, VUCA, okay? <laughs> Feels weird to say. Uh, but a VUCA state, V-U-C-A, is a state where a state that is uh, a volatility, uncertainty, uh, complexity, and ambiguity. That's a VUCA state. And uh, <laughs> the Cold War was a very volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous time. We are in a VUCA state now. Uh, things are changing volatilely, and uh, we use the word uncertainty every day, almost now, and uh, complex and ambiguous, just all the dissonant information and the, and the very, various ideologies 
if you've seen the news lately, the various ideologies that are raging, um, VUCA. That's, that's what this is. And so uh, sociologists tell us that a VUCA state is a fantastic state to have people in if you want to manipulate them. Okay, in, in a VUCA state like COVID, people are afraid of change and irritable and questioning everything. And they're just looking for somebody to give a strong opinion. And we're keenly aware of this right now. We're keenly aware also that we cannot fix this ourselves. We cannot lead ourselves out of this. Literally, like we're actually sick and we're tired and we're dying and we're afraid and we're grieving. And maybe worst of all for all of us, we're very much aware we don't have control like we think we did. And so it sends us into personal VUCA moments and it's such a weird word to say, but it's so accurate. And, and we try to shepherd ourselves out and we just end up, when we try to shepherd ourselves, we, we just end up being led by our own desires. We think we're free, but there are countless subconscious cues flooding our minds and bodies all the time from our upbringing, from our childhood, from our entertainment, from the news we read, from our work, even our creativity. Um, you name it, we're being given these subconscious cues. Think about it right now, just thought experiment. What, if, if, you, if you could just do whatever you wanted right now, like whatever you wanted, where would it lead you? Like if you could do anything you wanted right now, we all have desires right now. Just do it, just, just knock yourself out. Where would it lead you? And so it's into this VUCA state that Jesus comes in and says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus isn't just a good teacher. Uh, Jesus is the creator God himself who has entered into his own creation to call us by name and lead us out. Jesus says it this way, John 10, 2 and 3, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Just like Hendrik prayed at the beginning, may we listen, may we respond. And, it's, and then it says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. God has been this way from the start, you guys. The first story in the Bible, you have the first humans shepherding themselves, influenced by the serpent, to take matters into their own hands. And what does God do? Calls them by name, Adam. And he leads them out of the garden, which I actually believe was an act of divine protection because it says, I don't want them to eat of the tree of life and now live forever in torment. I'm going to lead them out and work on an alternate plan of salvation. And, and, and then in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, that's the first book of the Bible. In the second book of the Bible, you have the famous story of Moses, the prince of Egypt. A later prophet talks about that prince of Egypt story and says, uh, out of Egypt, I have called my son, Israel. God calls out to Israel by name, a leaderless tormented nation in chaos and in slavery, calls them by name, leads them out. And that is God's rhythm through the whole story of his people. He's good and he's a good shepherd. And that shepherd God, he's a shepherd God we see in scripture. 
He's finally and fully revealed himself in the crucified and risen Jesus. And now Jesus is coming to you. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is coming through our locked doors and he's speaking peace. Our locked doors cannot stop the risen Jesus. He's that strong and mysterious and good. And he's coming to us in our VUCA and our volatility and our uncertainty and complexity and all the ambiguity. And he's speaking with vision and understanding and clarity and authority. (laughs) And he's saying, I am the good shepherd. Jesus describes himself here in this verse three and four. He says, I call, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. So Jesus is saying, he can call your name and he can lead you out because he's been there. He's gone ahead of you. He went ahead of us into death and rose to life. He's been through everything that sickness can dish out. He's been through suffering and shame. He's been through all of it and he's seen victory and he's instituted resurrection. And now he's like, follow me. I can take you there too. I can take you there too. Jesus is the kind of leader who can lay his life down and take it up again. Come on. Like what kind of leader can do that? Can lay down their life and take it up again. That's called ultimate authority. And and later on in this same passage, he says this, John 10, 14 through 18, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And get this, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down, I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Come on, like this is the kind of leader Jesus is. Right now in this chaos, we... Are you with me? Like, we need someone who is kind and strong. We need someone who you can trust relationally with your shame and your truth about yourself, but also someone who can just stink and get the job done. Like, someone who can actually command authority over the grave right now. That's what we need. Nothing short of that. And this is who Jesus is. This is why Jesus can stand up above all other voices and say, I am the good voice. It's why he can stand up over all other leaders who would want to influence. He says, I am the good influence. I am the ultimate leader. I'm the good shepherd. And the the reason why we're in this text, you know, Right now, it's Easter season, so we're usually looking at resurrection texts. And this, obviously, this story is before Jesus died. So why are we in this text right now? Um, so, so here's why. Jesus knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly where he was going because Jesus had God's vision. He was filled with vision of God's future. He's like, I can lay my life down. I will take it up again. Follow me. I'll lead you the same way. He had vision. And listen, he's still coming to you and he still has God's vision for you. He still sees God's future as settled. Your future in God's family is settled. 
Think of everything that's unsettled right now, pretty much everything. Jesus sees past the unsettledness, past the volatility and uncertainty into the new heavens and new earth. And he sees us seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And he says, I'm there and, and I already see you here with me. So follow me. This is why we're in this text, because Jesus is the kind of leader who has God vision, and he invites us to have that same vision by being led by him. So the question remains, um, what is leading you? What's shaping your vision of the future? If you feel hopeless, um, it has to do with what might be shaping your vision of the future today. Park Hill Church, I want to speak directly to you. I see so many of you chatting, and uh, Ashley, and uh, a lot of you, Jordan, Jason. Um, you guys, you guys are a community that follows the Good Shepherd. I've seen evidence of it everywhere. I, <laughs> whenever I sing that line, you know, the evidence is all around. You know, I I always go like, and it's you guys. Like, there you go. I feel like doing the cheesy, like pointing at you. The evidence, anyways. Um, you are a community. You are proof of the Good Shepherd's activity. Um, our church family is full of so many wonderful, creative, loving, intelligent people who actually believe that Jesus is the leader he claims to be. And, and this is why we spent our first year and a half in the Gospel of Matthew, to gather and ask ourselves, what would the world look like if everyone recognized how good Jesus' leadership is? What would the world look like if everyone was following him into abundant life? Jesus' leadership, he tends the flock. He strengthens his people. This is according to the Gospels. He heals people. He searches for lost people. He washes feet of tired people. He blesses those with sexual brokenness and shame. He welcomes political protesters, and he welcomes political sellouts on both sides, everyone who's willing to submit their story to Jesus. He's like, bring yourself in and listen to my voice, he says. So many of you, Park Hill, have been led into this vision of Jesus. Um, it's proof in your commitment to community and your commitment to gather when we would and as we do now, and your commitment to generosity. Um, so many of you have led, have, have followed Jesus' leadership into, into peace and you're compelled by Jesus's vision, um, and your hearts are finding peace and courage and rest in a very you know, volatile, uncertain time. Well done. Um, you're recognizing the voice of Jesus. Uh, you said yes to Jesus's vision of life and God's future, and that's really what resurrection is all about. That's why we're practicing resurrection. Jesus understands our suffering because he's been in it. He endured the worst of it, and he can lead us out because he rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. And now he stands right now, he's standing with clarity and authority over you, saying, I am the good shepherd. What is shepherding you right now that is not me? Let's leave it behind. Be formed by my shalom and my peace. Let me lead you. Let the psalm that Gavin read during worship, let it become your anthem the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do you believe that those who follow the good shepherd lack nothing? Or does that raise questions? It raises questions for me. We've got to be honest about that. What does that look like? This is why we come to community. 
and we bring our authentic emotion and grieving and sense of loss, we bring it to the table, literally the Lord's table as a community. And we ask Jesus to remind us of his goodness again and again and again. That's why we're gathering. That's why you can't give up on gathering during this time. Um, Jesus says, other voices come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life. Do you want life to the full in a pandemic, in a quarantine? Do you want life to the full? Jesus' voice is the voice to find it. And so in, in life under Jesus' leadership, just close with this. This is practically what Jesus gives us. Um, in life under Jesus' leadership, Jesus gives us, number one, loving leaders in our lives. Loving leaders in our lives. Uh, I'm part of a pastoral team that shepherds you. My calling by God is to continually remind you of the goodness of God's character and challenge you by the power of the Spirit to step deeper into God's character through community and through worship and word and table. That's my calling. I am also led by leaders. I have people speaking into my life and that I can go to with my emotions. Um, and I do often. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know how I would survive without this community of leaders that God has given me and you. So number one, in life under Jesus' leadership, Jesus gives you loving leaders in your lives. Number two, he gives you church as an environment of freedom, like a place where you can freely share your grief and your concern and, uh, and your joys. A whole church family, like real shared life. That's a gift. We're a new family in Jesus. And number three, in, under Jesus' leadership, he gives us spirit-empowered community. And, and this, is, this is specifically pertaining to transformation. We can actually move from depression to confidence, from despair to courage, and from feelings of loneliness to settled, peaceful solitude. We can move toward Christ, even though our circumstances stay the same. And we do that through spirit-empowered community. This is how we change. We have the power of the spirit to change us, and we access that through the, spirit, uh, through the spiritual community of the church. And then number four, and uh, this will land, land us in worship. Doors are slamming. Kids are walking around the house. It's real. So welcome. But, and number four, finally, um, Life under Jesus' leadership gives us participation in his own divine life. We get to hear his voice. Jesus called this abiding in him. This is the most beautiful, mysterious, praiseworthy thing of all, like that we get union with the shepherd. We don't just get to be led by him, but we get to sh tap into his own lifeblood. We're united to the shepherd and he gives us his heart and he unites us to the father. So profound. And so the practice for this week, it, we, it's known as listening prayer. And really what that is, is intentionally setting aside time to be aware of Jesus's leadership and to say, Lord, I want to hear what you say. I am united with Jesus. Would you speak to me now? And then like Hendrik prayed before this teaching, 
wait for a response, whether it's, whether it's a scripture or a picture, um, or maybe you're on Zoom with a community and you're practicing listening prayer. Lord, what do you want to say for her? What are you doing in his life? It's so hard to read nonverbal cues over Zoom like it is in person, but Lord, what are you doing? Compensate for the lack of nonverbals right now. What are you speaking in this room? And then listen and then be faithful to speak because in that moment, you are the loving leader that God is sending to them. And so all of this is because Jesus is a good shepherd and he's leading us now to the table where we can be uh, formed and reminded deeply of his goodness. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you, you are calling us to be shaped by the Son of God. May we not fall prey to the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy our joy and our awareness of God. Lord, may we give ourselves, completely give ourselves to um, following Jesus well, to listening to his voice. Take us by the hand and lead us into life, we pray. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to take, you know, 20, 30 seconds and move to the keys and just get yourself ready, get bread and cup, bread and wine, and we're going to be led to the table and feast on Jesus. He's leading us right now. He's shepherding us. And we're going to close the gathering after this.